Welcome to Epic, everyone. Glad that you are here today. And if you are a guest with us today, maybe checking us out for the first time, we encourage you to stop by our Connection Center before you leave for today. And we've got some information there about us as a church. Might help you determine whether or not you sense this would be possibly a church home for you. Well, just to let you know where we are in our current series, last week we started a new series entitled Miracles. And in this series, we are exploring some miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. We're watching Jesus do the supernatural, the stuff that only God himself can do. When Jesus was here on earth, he healed people of diseases, he walked on water, he turned water into wine, he fed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He calmed a storm, something that we looked at last week, and he even raised the dead. Now, my hope and prayer as we walk through this series is that we're going to see God perform the miraculous, and we are going to be in awe of our great God again. And I hope that in your situation, you'll be in awe of a God who can perform miracles. And I hope that your faith will be strengthened that our faith will be strengthened, that God could perform a miracle in our lives, in our situations. So I'd like to just ask us real quick, if we just pause for a quick word of prayer together, and then we'll dive into what we're doing today. So God, I just wanted to pause for a moment and thank you for being a God of miracles, a God who specializes in the impossible, the things that we cannot humanly do, Lord, I know that in a room like this, there may be a number of people in need of a miracle asking you to do something miraculous in their lives. So Lord, I pray that through this series that we will be in awe of you. And Lord, we'll believe you again for the stuff that only you can do. And we'll open our eyes to the miracles that happen around us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles and turn over to John chapter 5, John chapter 5, in our paperback Bibles that's found on page 813, and if you need a Bible, don't have one with you today and would like to have one, I encourage you to run back to the back of your seating section, and back there there's a table, and there are Bibles on each of those tables, I encourage you to grab one, and if you'd like to take it home with it, you can take it home with you as well, so now would be a great time if you want to go grab a Bible. And turn over to John chapter 5, found on page 8, 13. Now, today, we are all in search of a miracle. We may not call it that. We may not use that language. But the reality is, we are all miracle seekers. There are some people that are seeking a miracle, like a a health miracle or a, a food miracle, a diet miracle. There are people out there that are seeking a hair loss miracle, right? I have no idea why you would want the burden of hair, but there are those out there trying to spray it on or grow it out or do something upstairs. There are those that are seeking a miracle in sports. You know, football just started, and I know there's some folks going, please, God, let this be the year. You know, a miracle may happen for my team. And, you know, I'm, I'm praying for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go Steelers. You know, come on, you know, this year, come on, come on, let's make it seven. That'd be great. There are people looking for miracles in their finances, people looking for miracles at school or 
at their work, people looking for miracles in a current relationship or possibly a, a new relationship they would love to be in. There are some people that are even looking for a healing miracle, like a, a physical healing miracle. That, that might be you today or someone that you know that's battled a health issue in their lives and you know, they've just battled this for a long time and believing God, God, can you, can you heal me or can you heal this person that I love? Maybe you or someone that you know has been diagnosed with cancer or some life-threatening illness. That's a scary thing to find that information out from a doctor. Like you have this and we're not sure how it's, how it's gonna go for you. Or maybe a doctor has told you, listen, we don't know what's wrong with you. We're not even sure how to, how to help you. We're not sure what treatment to get you started on. It can be a confusing journey to be on. Or there are those who've been told that they can't get pregnant. I'm not sure why, not sure what the issues are, but it's a medical issue. There can be any number of medical issues that our bodies deal with, any number of things where we need a physical healing. God didn't intend our bodies to be this way, but we live in a fallen world, and so we experience things all the time that aren't quite right in our bodies and in our lives. So that's what we're going to look at today is the miracle of Jesus performing a physical healing. Now, in John chapter 5, it tells us of an interaction that Jesus had with a man who needed to be healed. And Jesus actually encountered this guy inside the city of Jerusalem what is called, at what is called the Pool of Bethesda. Now, you see a picture up on the screen here. There are actually two pools together. And this is a, a remake of what archaeologists believe those pools might have looked like. You see around the pools, there are these covered porches. And at these covered porches, there would be crowds and crowds of sick people that would gather there hoping that they would be healed. See, the the belief of the day was around those pools was that an angel would come by occasionally and stir up the waters in the pools. And the first person who got into the pool would come out healed. So that was kind of the context of what was happening around those pools. Can you imagine if something like that were happening in our county, say over here at the Frida Zamba pool? Can you imagine if occasionally the waters bubbled up and whoever got in the pool first would come out healed? I mean, it'd be amazing. I think people from around the world would move here and camp out around that pool. We'd have our own you know, Occupy Flagler County going on with people everywhere believing that, hey, this might be my healing. This might be the place that that could happen for me. Now, verse five tells us that one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Again, you might know what that's like. Or you may know someone who's battled with something for an extended period of time. You understand what it's like to carry a burden for a long period of time. Verse 6 tells us that when Jesus saw this man, he knew that he'd been ill for a long time. So again, demonstrating something that, that God does, the power that God has. He looks at this guy, he knows his story. Didn't have to hear this story, he knew it. He knew what his situation was. So Jesus singled this guy out of the crowd. You know, this big crowd of people around the pool. He picks one guy out. He walks up to this guy, has a conversation with him, and he asks him a very confusing question. Jesus asked, would you like to get well? I don't know if that strikes you odd or not, but often when I read 
Jesus interactions, I, you know, come scratch my head like bizarre question. Weird question to ask of a guy who's been sick for 38 years. Why would Jesus ask this question of this guy? Of course he wants to be well. He has spent 38 years of his life searching for an answer. He spent many years of his life around this pool. I'm sure he lives there now. He's taken up residence in, under one of the covered porches around the pool. He's believing that this pool can heal him, that these waters can heal him. So does he want to get well? Absolutely he wants to be well. So why would Jesus ask this strange question? There's a lot of speculation in, with Bible scholars on what Jesus really meant, but could it have been that Jesus was dealing with a hope issue in his life? This guy's been sick for 38 years. Could it have been that this guy has given up all hope that he's ever going to be healed? It appears that way, especially when you look at verse 7. The sick man replied, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the water when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Can you hear the desperation in his voice? You hear kind of the hopelessness in his voice, almost like he's given up. Imagine the frustration of this guy and try to put yourself in his place. So for 38 years, you've battled something significant in your world. For 38 years, you've believed that possibly the waters in this pool could heal you. And you've watched this pool day in and day out. You know, if you're in that situation, and think you wouldn't want to look away from the water. You look away from the water, the waters start bubbling and someone else may get in there before you. And even if you're there watching every moment staring at the water and you see the bubbles start to, to happen in the water, you wouldn't want to get excited. You want to be careful about your movement because that would indicate to somebody else, hey, the waters are stirred. Somebody else who has a friend or who may have less of a disability than you could get to the water before you. So what really is your chance? What really is your hope that you're going to be able to be healed because of these waters? Now, apparently, this guy had watched many people through the years go in the water and come out healed. And I'm sure at the beginning of that journey, maybe the first 10, 15, maybe 20 times he watched that happen, I'm sure there was a moment of excitement for him. Like, wow, I mean, that is so cool. You know, excited for them because that might mean I'm next. I'm excited that that might happen for me. But after 38 years, I'm thinking the guy's a little bit cold over this whole scenario. Not so excited about people coming out anymore. Because when a person comes out well, that means he stays sick. And sometimes it's really hard for us to celebrate with someone else when they have something really cool going on in their world. Because there are moments that's the same thing we've been asking God for. That's the same thing that we're praying for. And they got our answer. They got our miracle is what we feel sometimes. And so it's, it's difficult to be excited with them. So I think that's where this guy is. He's in this moment of hopelessness. And again, in your situation, whatever it may be, health issue or not, you may feel that way. You may feel hopeless. And when we give in to hopelessness, there are a few things happen. We start to close our world off. We start to get depressed and discouraged. We start to get negative about life. 
we start closing ourselves off from friends and family and like we're not really all that excited about what's going on. Somebody comes along with a new exciting thing and I don't really want to hear it. You know, I'm just kind of focused on my thing. We'd rather be withdrawn from the world. We'd rather be left alone. That might be the reason why this guy doesn't realize who he's talking to, doesn't realize he's talking to Jesus himself. You see, Jesus had performed many miracles throughout the land, and Luke 4.37 says, the news about Jesus spread throughout every village in the entire region. So people everywhere were talking about Jesus and his ability to heal. I mean, this is like amazing. Did you hear about Jesus? Did you hear what he can do? People all over are talking about Jesus and the miracles that he's performed. But in this moment, our hopeless friend doesn't realize who he's talking to. He doesn't realize that the healer is sitting right next to him, engaging him in a profound conversation. He doesn't realize what's about to happen in his world. In your situation, have you forgotten who our great God is? Have you forgotten what he can do Have you forgotten the hope that he can bring into your situation, whatever it is, whatever hopeless situation you may be in? Have you forgotten? Have you gotten so focused on your problem that you've forgotten the one who can solve your problem? I think that God wants to do something amazing in all of us. Like we learned last week, the greater miracle that Jesus is doing in our lives is the miracle that happens inside of us. That's always the bigger miracle. What happens inside of us than a physical thing that happens out around us is always more profound what Jesus can do inside us than what happens around us. Now in verse eight, Jesus told the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. So after 38 years of being sick, 38 years of hoping that your healing was going to come from this pool. His life is radically changed in a moment. In just a moment, he would be able to move back home. He'd be able to be reunited with his family and friends, be able to to get a job. I mean, his whole world is going to radically change. I believe that's what God wants to do in all of us. I think God wants to perform a miracle in us so that we are different forever. It's a miracle that transforms us from the inside out so that we can never live the same way that we have lived in the past. Now jump down to verse 14. This is gonna take us down a slightly different road. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Now, the interpretation of this verse gets a little tricky. Jesus is indicating that this man had gotten sick because of some sin issue in his life, something that he had done wrong. So is it possible for us to be sick today or have a disability in our lives because of a sin issue? It certainly appears so. That was actually the prevailing thought of the day in Jesus' culture. So kind of get this. In Jesus' day, everyone thought if you were sick, it was because you had done something wrong to offend God. So imagine, you know, like Monday when you go into work and you got the sniffles and you sneeze in your hand and it looks like you got a cold. They're going, I know what you did over the weekend. It was something bad. 
You shouldn't have done that. So no matter what you had, whether it was a physical uh, disability issue, like a handicap issue or a sickness issue, didn't matter. If you were sick, everybody in the culture thought you did something wrong. I mean, just imagine carrying the weight of that on top of your sickness. Again, we have to be very careful how we interpret scripture and apply it in our sickness situations and, uh, and in other people's sickness situations. In John chapter 9, it records an interaction between Jesus and his disciples around a similar healing issue. One day they're walking along and the disciples see a guy that has been born blind. And so they ask Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Again, demonstrating the prevailing thought of the day. Now, in John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus said, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So Jesus makes a profound statement to the disciples and anyone that was around in that moment. He said, listen, this guy didn't do anything wrong. His parents didn't do anything wrong. This happened so God could demonstrate his power. So he was sick. He didn't do anything to get it but he's going to be well. God's going to show up in his life in a really big way. So God heals this guy to demonstrate his power. So sometimes in our lives, sickness is the result of sin. It can be the result of sin in our lives today. And I think if that's the issue for us, I think we know that. I think we know it clear. It's, you know, I don't want anybody leaving today freaking out like, oh my gosh, I didn't pick up that piece of paper on the you know, parking lot on the way out. I'm going to get sick. God's going to punish me for that. That's not what we're talking about. This is a sickness issue that someone's dealing with. They know what it is that's broken their relationship with God. They know it. And what is called for in that moment is confession, where we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm living outside of your design. I'm sorry that I've turned against you. I'm sorry that I've broken our relationship. God wants that relationship restored. Now, most times, sickness is not a result of personal sin. It's still a result of this thing called sin that we're going to look at here together in a moment, but it's not a result of an individual sin happening in a moment. It's the result of us living in what is known as a fallen world. A world where we said to God, our creator, you know what? We've got a better plan. You had a plan, but we'd rather do it our own way. Like we'd rather do our own thing, go our own path. That's when sin and death came into the world. A curse of sin and death entered the world when Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God and eat the fruit that God told them not to eat. Oh, Adam and Eve. I mean, wouldn't you just love to get your hands on them today? You know, like they're the result of all the stuff that we have wrong in our lives. And the reality is, none of us would have done any different. None of us. I look at my life and I'm like, I can't make it like an hour without saying something stupid or doing something stupid or thinking something stupid. So we all are just like Adam and Eve. We all would have brought a fallen world into existence. The only thing that can truly heal us physically or spiritually is the only hope our world will ever have, and that is Jesus Christ. So by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. 
this verse is not a guarantee that God will give us a physical healing. Again, God is always doing something way more profound than we could ever ask, than we could ever experience in our lives. He's always doing something that is way beyond our reach or or our imagination. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for us to be healed spiritually and our broken hearts restored into a right relationship with God. That's always been God's biggest miracle, always. It's always the thing that God is after, that we little humans who love to go our own way, who love to say, God, thanks, but no thanks, I'll do it on my own, could be restored to a God who loves us passionately, enough to send Jesus to die on a cross so that we could live. So a great question for us to wrestle with is, does God still do physical healings today? I believe that the answer is yes. I believe that God still does that. About 10 years ago, I got a call late at night that a, a friend was in the hospital, that he had gotten food caught in his throat and had been stuck there too long. So when a group of us showed up at the emergency room, we were told by the doctor, if he survives, he'll be a vegetable the rest of his life. So we were all in, in shock in this moment, and we gathered around him on this hospital bed, and we decided to talk to our great God. So we laid hands on this guy, and we prayed and said, God, pray that if it's your will that you would heal him. We ask that you would heal him. And God did. In a relatively short amount of time, that guy was, was healed. And every day of his life is a testimony of God's healing power. When I see him around today, I'm reminded of that. And I love seeing him because it reminds me again in a profound way, our God performs miracles today. I've never seen anything like it since then. Now, when my dad was 51, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And for 11 years, my family prayed for God to heal my dad. And he didn't, not in the way that we were asking. My dad was a believer in Jesus, and he's now in heaven. So God healed him kind of for all of eternity from from the woes of this life. But he didn't heal him the way that we were specifically asking. And, you know, I know my dad would never want to come back here. He would rather we go visit him than him come visit us. He's like, it's way better on this side. So why does God heal in some situations and not in others? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's part of his plan. He knows something that we don't. He's doing something greater than we could imagine. I'm not sure. In the context of John 5, that passage we looked at, Jesus picked someone out of the crowd. He walked up to that guy and healed him. And then he walked out, leaving crowds of people there that were still not healed. Why does God do that? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I do know that our God is a God of miracles and that he wants to perform a miracle in our lives, a miracle that will transform us from the inside out. And sometimes that miracle comes through a physical healing, but God is always after a spiritual healing. He's always after a heart being restored and a right relationship with him. So no matter what God does or does not do in your life, will you believe him? for a miracle? Will you trust him? Will you put your hope in him and him alone? If you're in that moment where you've given up hope, will you believe in him again? Will you hope in God 
for God to perform what only God can do. And here's what the Bible says about our great God. It says that he is a great father and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are one of his kids. And so you have the right as a kid to ask your dad for something great. And he loves to give us great gifts. So here's how we're gonna close today. We're gonna ask our great God to heal those who might be here today battling a physical issue where you say, listen, I'd love for God to heal me physically. And again, as we look today, God might heal you. He might not. God may be doing another thing inside of you that we can't see yet in this moment, but our hope is in our healer, not in a healing. Our hope is in Jesus, not in the waters in the pool. So this might feel a little strange, but here's what I would like to ask you to do. If you're here today and you would like a prayer, you'd like to be prayed over for physical healing, I'd like you to raise your hand. And just kind of let everybody know, hey, would you pray for me for physical healing? If you could raise him up high, that would give us context. Now, everybody else, kind of look around at who we're seeing here. Um, not trying to, like, you know, make you feel awkward or weird at all, but we'd just like to know who you are so we can pray for you. And here's what I'd like everybody else to do. So you've seen kind of who's raised their hands. I would like you to join me in praying for them. Join me in asking our great God, to give a great gift to our friends here today, that he would heal them, not just physically, but spiritually as well. So let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are a a God of miracles. God, that you specialize in doing what only you can do stuff that we we look at and go, I don't even know how it's possible that 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 happens, or moments where we're in a hopeless situation saying there's no hope, and yet you step in and you do something that only you can do. So Lord, today there are people here battling a physical issue, and Lord, they would love to be healed of that thing. God, I know that you would love to perform a miracle in their lives. I know you would love to heal them, God, I know that your greatest desire is to heal them spiritually, is to transform them from the inside out. And there are moments, God, that I know that you allow physical sickness to happen so you can do something greater in our lives. And God, I know also that there are moments that you heal. Sometimes you choose to heal through medicine, through knowledge that you've given to doctors, And other times you heal through the supernatural, through moments where you just step in and say, you know what, you're healed. So Lord, no matter what happens in our lives, we want to keep our eyes focused on the healer and not just the healing. We don't want to get distracted like our friend in this story that we've looked at who gotten hopeless and didn't even realize he was talking to Jesus himself. So Lord, you're the great physician and healing only comes from you. And you are our great father. And as a father, you love to give good gifts to your kids. So Lord, today, we pray for those that are here that need a physical healing. God, I ask that you would heal them. 
God, I ask that you would transform their lives so they would not experience this pain or this condition or this issue in their lives from this day forward. Lord, regardless of what you do, we trust and believe in you because you are the hope of the world. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. If you're new to Epic this morning, we're so glad you are here. Thank you for coming this morning. As Trent mentioned, swing by the Connection Center as you leave, and there's some information for you that we'd love to give you about Epic this morning. And if you are a regular attender at Epic, if this is your home, we're so glad you're here as well this morning. We want to remind you there's a couple ways that you can give. You can give to support the ministry um, at the giving boxes in the back of the rows, or you can give online at www.theepicchurch.com. For our students, for our 7th to 12th graders, um, Surge is back in full force for the fall. And this Saturday, they're going to have a movie night um, and watch the movie to save a life. So if you would like to join um, that movie night, come check out the Facebook page um, on Epic Surge, and you'll find out all the details and the times and location for that. Also, if you are looking to connect with other people at Epic, a great easy way to do so is a week from today, we're going to have Epic Day at the Park at 5 o'clock at Wadsworth Park. And it's just going to be a fun time where we can hang out, eat dinner together, um, and then there'll be just some crazy games as well. So bring your dinner for you and your family and come on out to that. It'll be a fun way to meet a bunch of people that way. And then a a week from Saturday, on Saturday, um, September 29th, we're going to do another Habitat build and help build a family for a home, uh, a home for a family in need here in Flagler County. And we're wanting to help support our um, families here through providing food and clothing and shelter, and this is one way that we can do that. So I want you to check out this video of a local family who had a Habitat home built for them this year and see their story. I love Joe and Barb's story, and what a great opportunity we have to help another local family here. So if you're interested in helping, you can either build or help with lunch. We're providing lunch for the workers. So if you'd go to www.theepicchurch.com and click under the Involve tab, and you can sign up for Habitat for September 29th. If you have signed up for our Starting Point and Next Step intro to get involved in those small group environments, we're going to have our 20-minute intro after the service today. If you'd go ahead and pick up your kids in about five minutes after the service ends, we'll meet over here in the teacher's lounge in this hallway. And if you didn't sign up, we'd still love for you to join us. It's a Starting Point and Next Step, our um, entry point small group environments where you can connect with God and connect with other people. So we hope you can join us for that today. And then one last announcement, if you have some time and are able to stay after and help us tear down some of what you see around us, that would be great. Um, if you would also go get your kids and then come back here, Trent will be up front and we'll be able to let you know where to get started. So we'd appreciate your help with that if you're able to help us. Thanks so much um, for just a great day today. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week.